everybody, welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right, we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. I want to thank Barry for coming on to our show for our Premium Edition Lounge, Episode 3, which was released this past Wednesday. Uh, so thank you, Barry, for joining us and talking all about the great games that are coming out from Premium Edition. I'm not going to list all of those here because you can listen to the episode and find out by listening. Thanks, Barry. We always appreciate having you on and supporting our station, including paying for uh, the light for the the one light bulb. Yeah, that the big red sign that says premium edition. Yes. Anyway, uh, I don't know if there's... Do we have any uh, notes from the producer? I can check. Give me a second. No. Though, uh, Brandon is wondering if we have any opinions on Super Mario Wonder. And as of the recording of this episode, I have not played Super Mario Wonder yet. But I am excited to play it when I do get the chance. It looks like a nice game. Yeah, I agree. I haven't played on my Switch arguably in a very long time and super mario wonder may be a game that makes it so that i play my switch uh, i'm probably going to try to pick it up at some point i definitely want to play it but yeah so uh, at the moment brandon we don't have a we don't have an opinion but we will once we do that's generally how opinions work you don't have them and then you do have them now uh seth what have you been recently playing <laughs> recently i've been playing a game for my playdate which was uh that device that's a uh small handheld with an e-ink display and a crank uh and the game that i've been recently been playing on my play date is a game called the flipper lifter by serenity forge uh, it was released back in september 15th of uh, 2021 and is part of the season one pack of games that you get uh and this particular week it came out with echotic memory which i actually haven't played but it seems like a memory style game using music and you have to use the crank to make sure that penguins get moved up and around vertically with the starting level being a hotel and you controlling an elevator. And there's also like a construction site and even like a space station type deal. Though I, I believe they're always going up in an elevator and they just change like the background a little bit. There are five different levels and they are endless. However, they are timed, which arguably the end. But the level will keep stacking and I think you can find things to extend the time um there may be also a mode where you can play without the time uh i don't know you compete for high scores the game is fun but also very stressful because you have to move these penguins to the right floors and pick up more penguins and they get mad if you hmm. don't pick them up quick and there's nothing scarier in life than an angry penguin that's true so flipper lifter for the play date as part of the collection i'm actually kind of excited i think next week or this week i'm getting something that's like demon quest 85 or something like that oh cool so i'm excited to check out demon quest 85 not that flipper lifter is not fun but it's also a game about moving penguins using an elevator and demon quest seems like an rpg what about uh, what about you, Zach? What have you been uh, what have you been up to lately? What have you been playing? Well, Seth, recently I've been playing Titanfall 2, released back originally in 2016 by Respawn Entertainment and published by EA. Titanfall 2 is a first-person shooter where you play as a dude and you get into a mech. But specifically, I've been playing the Frontier Defense Mode, a four-player co-op where you have to fight off waves of enemies, primarily robots, other mechs, and grunts. It's pretty tough. You basically have a tower as you would in any 
tower defense. The tower is shielded, and as enemies attack it, the shield breaks down, and then when the shield breaks down, the health of the tower goes down. So um, you have different options. You can like charge the shield if you buy certain upgrades to it, but primarily you're supposed to be preventing people from attacking it. This includes other mechs that have, you know, abilities similar to yours or even better. Like there's a, a nuke mech, which if it gets close enough, it goes into a nuclear state and it blows up everything around it. There's also like a samurai mech who has a, a sword. There is a uh, an electrified version of that samurai mech, so you can't really get near it. One cool thing you can do, however, is when you summon your titan, you can actually set it into sentry mode and the titan can either follow you or act as kind of a guard for a certain area that you assign it to. And the titan will essentially act as a secondary player to you, thus meaning your four-player co-op is now an eight-player co-op with four bots, basically, if everyone does the same thing. And this allows you to actually grapple around as you play as your, your pilot. Pilots can jump onto other mechs. You can take out their batteries and shove in, you know, explosives and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do, and it's kind of a balance of what is the best mode for you to play as and what is easiest for you. As it is a co-op mode, uh, you have to do a lot of teamwork with trying to work with your team and getting the game to go the way you want to go. And I will say that there are a lot of times where you feel like you're going to fail, and you do. And then there are other times where you feel like you're going to fail, and you don't. Uh, it's kind of just the way life is. Titanfall 2 did have some issues with the multiplayer. Uh, so a few years ago, they had some technical issues. There was a problem, I believe it was with bots. Specifically, the bots were DDoSing servers. So it was almost impossible to get onto servers because they would be constantly flooded by fake requests and stuff like that. So it was almost impossible to play online. There was a third-party application set up to allow you to play online. It basically bypassed some of the issues and it kind of worked. And then just recently, within the past few months, I believe, Respawn officially, I think through EA, updated the game and fixed a lot of the issues with the multiplayer. I'm not sure exactly what took them so long. I think they it, it was partially them trying to figure out ways to, um, you know, fix the actual problem to prevent it from happening again. But they also did it um, and they did it for free and it was, you know, it was a good update. So I was happy that it happened. Titanfall is kind of a cool game and Titanfall 2 is a unique game in the sense that it has a very fun single player story mode that is uh, pretty quick and easy to jump into. But a lot of the fun is found in the online world. And uh, for anyone who is interested in Apex Legends, it is set in the same universe. Um, so a lot of characters that are referenced in Apex come from Titanfall and vice versa. Titanfall references like organizations that show up in Apex. So if you're familiar with Apex, you'll probably like Titanfall. The single player for Titanfall 2 is probably one of the best single player games that I've played uh, for that style of game. It's super good. It's super short, which is nice. It doesn't overstay its welcome. So it's not overly long. It's satisfyingly short. It ends and it feels good about it. <laughs> yeah. You play it, the difficulty gets tougher, and then you win the game. And the story is amazing the whole way through. It's definitely one of the single player games that I played in recent being within the last oh, 2016 is starting to become a far time a long time ago know, but within the last um six years ago give or take um i think is when i really played uh titanfall 2 and uh it was a single player game that i played and was just like hooked and just played through the story and really enjoyed it it's a good story and it's one of those games that can make you really feel for a giant mech and yeah. uh that's something that's hard to uh personify 
dry and and give feeling to it. Though I'm sure the those who the people who enjoy uh, Gundams would uh, would argue with me that it's easy to personify a mech. But and and what's nice is you don't have to worry about playing Titanfall One to play Titanfall Two because Titanfall One does not have a single player campaign. Correct. It's only multiplayer, which is a choice. It is a choice. I'm glad they did do a single player for Titanfall Two. It's it is me a too. very good single player. I've also been replaying a bit of that, and I'll probably get back into that probably later. Anyway, today we are talking about, uh, this is kind of like a follow-up, uh, a spiritual successor to our last episode mm, where we covered fast food games. And just like any spiritual successor, it's going to be a bit different and not really like the first one. <laughs> exactly. But like when you go to a restaurant, if you're getting your pizza from Domino's, you're getting your burger from McDonald's, you're getting your taco from Taco Bell or you're getting your burger from Burger King all at the same time. There's one thing that you need, and that is a soft drink. And possibly Captain Novelin. And possibly Captain Novelin. But most important, you need a soft drink. And that soft drink may or may not be Pepsi. That's right. We're talking about Pepsi specifically. We're going to talk about Pepsi Man, the PlayStation game. But before we do that, we're the classic gaming brothers. So we have to go into the history of Pepsi. <laughs> Invented back in 1890 by Caleb Bradham as Brad's Drink, what we know as Pepsi started life as a beverage to relieve indigestion. Its name, Pepsi, or Pepsi-Cola, possibly came about as a reference to the digestive enzyme pepsin, though it should be noted that Pepsi never contained pepsin. Rather, its ingredients included sugar, vanilla, and fountain water, and other things to create the syrup. Now, this is unlike Coca-Cola, which did contain coca leaves, which are also used in the processing of cocaine. By 1903, Caleb Bradham had begun bottling Pepsi in a rented warehouse, and it is estimated that he sold nearly 8,000 gallons of syrup. In 1904, the drink began to be sold in 6-ounce bottles, and sales increased to nearly 20,000 gallons. In 1909, Pepsi received its first sponsor, Barney Oldfield, an automobile racer who called it a quote-unquote bully drink, and stated that it was refreshing, invigorating, and a fine bracer before the race. During World War I, Pepsi faced financial issues due to sugar prices being impacted with the speculative market. The assets were sold to Roy C. Mergargle, who then sold the assets to Charles Guth, president of Loft Incorporated. Loft, at the time, was looking to replace Coca-Cola in his soda fountain stores as Coca-Cola refused to give them a discount on the syrup. Loft's chemist reformulated Pepsi's recipe and began selling it. The drink really became a hit during the Great Depression, where it would sell for five cents a bottle. Radio ads featuring the song Nickel Nickel by the Tune Twisters played, and soon the drink was a household name. <laughs> From the 1930s through the 1950s, the slogan Pepsi Cola hits the spot. 
was the slogan of the company. The company started to pop up throughout films, largely thanks to Pepsi-Cola president Alfred N. Steele, marrying actress Joan Crawford. Crawford then became a spokesperson and would frequently appear in commercials and beauty pageants paid for by the company. She would also frequently have Pepsi drinks in her movies for the good old product placement. She also became the chair of the board of directors after uh, Mr. Steele passed away. Pepsi, of course, invaded pop culture and beyond its appearance in things like Back to the Future 2 and Home Alone, it has also invaded the world of video games. Though its first video game was not, in fact, by Pepsi, it invaded our screens another way. Produced in 1983 and developed by Atari, Pepsi Invaders was a game that came about in a unique fashion. Coca-Cola would go on to commission the game for a gift for their executives at a sales convention that took place in Georgia. According to legend, there were only 125 copies that were created and were packaged in a plain white box with a red sticker on them, just read, Atari goes better with Coke. The game is Space Invaders, literally the same exact game, except they changed a number of things to make it not Space Invaders. Including the name. They changed the aliens to the letters of Pepsi, P-E-P-S, I, and the flying saucer to the Pepsi logo. They also limited the game to three minutes and the players were given an infinite amount of lives. They really wanted you to wipe Pepsi off the map. <laughs> That's right. The letters of Pepsi, which were the aliens, would not land on the bottom of the screen. They would just they would just stop. In normal Space Invaders, when the aliens land, you get a game over. But Coca-Cola doesn't lose and they don't especially lose to Pepsi. Once the three minutes are up, it flashes Coke wins at the top and that's the game. A cartridge is available on eBay at the time of recording with an auction that has three days left in it and the bid is currently at $520. It comes up on the market occasionally, usually sells for about two to three thousand with a new sold listing going for $5,000 back in August of 2023. Right. Mostly because it's rare, not because it's good. Right. I mean, it's literally Space Invaders and arguably it's a worse version of Space Invaders. Yeah, well, it's one you can always win. That's right. Well, Coke wins, not you. (laughs) At the end of the day, the only winner is Coke. Now, Pepsi's real jump into the world of video games happened much later than Pepsi Invaders and was a Japanese exclusive, and this, of course, was Pepsi Man. Pepsi Man is a man who wears blue and silver as a skin-tight costume with no face and the Pepsi logo on it. Arguably, the Pepsi logo is his face. Oh, no, the Pepsi logo is just on his costume. It's on his chest. He he literally has no face. Yeah, he looks yeah. like Slender Man. <laughs> he looks like a silver and blue Slender Man. And though he... Kind of, kind of, is adjacent to, like, Power Ranger, you know, like the... Oh, I guess he is kind of like a, he's kind of like a Sentai, like, Power Ranger. A Sentai man, yeah, right? Isn't that kind of like that? A little bit, but, like, the thing that really freaks me out with Pepsi Man is that he does not have a face, but when he is giving people Pepsi, which we'll explain, a mouth, like, forms, and it just kind of looks like someone is, like, sucking in plastic. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like, if you if you were to put plastic over your face and, like, inhale so that the plastic starts to go into your mouth, that's what it looks like when Pepsi Man is talking? No, no, breathing Pepsi. When he breathes Pepsi, yeah terrifying stuff. The backstory for Pepsi Man is that he's a scientist that was turned into a superhero because he encountered the Holy Pepsi. Which is like the Holy Sea. It kind of feels like a Dr. Manhattan moment. <laughs> um, I see myself. <laughs> Drinking Pepsi. <laughs> I see myself. 
<laughs> spraying Pepsi. The commercials would often feature something happening, uh, leading to Pepsi Man to intervene to provide Pepsi as the solution to the problem at hand. For example, in one commercial, a child is crying. This child is just non-compliant. He's sitting in awkward positions in his chair, just wailing. And Pepsi Man is seen running down the street to then burst into the house. Unlike the Kool-Aid man who bursts through the walls, Pepsi Man enters through the door. Though I have to talk about what happens at the end. Because Pepsi Man bursts through the door, he then gives the child and his the mother a Pepsi by breathing it. So he like makes like a breathing motion, Pepsi flies out of his mouth, then they have Pepsi, but then he proceeds to try and leave the house by jumping out the window. And he like smashes into it and it like breaks a little bit of the window, but he entered through the door. So I don't understand why Pepsi Man can't leave through the door that he entered in. Why does he have to exit through the window? Maybe he's like a bad vampire. Like vampires have to be invited in. Maybe he has yes. to be invited out, but only through the door. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> or he, he can only use one egress at a time. <laughs> So this curse. <laughs> curse is he always has to use a different egress to enter a building or exit yeah. a building, which would be great for him to go to the movie theaters. He's always got four different egress options. In a different advertisement, some kids are snowboarding and they look exhausted. Uh, so Pepsi Man snowboards down the mountains and gives them Pepsi and then falls off a cliff and ends up being taken away by EMTs. And this is kind of like a running theme where bad things befall Pepsi Man after he gives Pepsi away to people not before he's capable of getting to whatever the location is without any issues delivers the pepsi and then something crappy happens to him i'm thinking this is because he breathes the pepsi he gives away his luck and his dexterity and his charm to these people there we go. And thus becomes a bumbling fool after giving away his Pepsi. I didn't know if it was like a really crappy monkey paw situation where he can only give people the wish of Pepsi, but all the bad things befall him. I think it's his soul. He gives a little bit of his soul, which is Pepsi. Pepsi Man made a Faustian bargain with Mr. Steel. The devil. <laughs> Maybe even though his origin story is that he encountered Holy Pepsi, maybe he actually had the forbidden fruit Pepsi. Oh. Crystal Pepsi was the forbidden fruit. I'm not somebody who drinks a lot of soda, to be honest. In in my real life, there's I only drink three items, and that's coffee, water, and beer. I'm not hip on the soda uh, lingo. I prefer candy advertising over soda advertising, but I think soda advertisements are fun, just like Pepsi Man. There is a, another advertisement where he's being chased by a truck that is definitely not supposed to be Coke. It's like a red truck where the logo is blurred out. Yeah, because it's Coke. It's Coke, but yeah. he, But it's, it's not Coke. Only to have the driver pull over and ask for a pepsi showing that even coke drivers drink pepsi yeah that's one where pepsi man does not have anything bad happen to him he's about to be crushed by the by the truck which is arguably pretty bad but then the truck stops and the driver gets out and says pepsi please And then it ends. Does, uh, does uh, Pepsi Man breathe to give him the Pepsi? Oh, yeah. I think it's the only time he gets to breathe. Maybe that's why he's running all the time, because he needs to get somewhere to breathe. Yeah, Pepsi Man is always running, at least when he's not doing other things with his legs, like surfing, snowboarding, or skating. <laughs> he's never walking, though. <laughs> do you know, you know uh, to call back, do you know, you know what Pepsi Man would be pretty good at? The X Games. He would be good at the X Games. <laughs> now, Pepsi Man was everywhere in 
in Japan, arguably. Yeah, not he everywhere. was Japanese exclusive. Pepsi Man was everywhere. The advertisements were everywhere in Japan. It wasn't everywhere in America. No. So if you're listening to this and thinking that we're making this up, just Google Pepsi Man. He even made an appearance in the video game Fighting Vipers, which was a 3D fighting game developed by the Sega AM2. Pepsi Man was also ready for his own game. Developed by Kid, K-I-D, Pepsi Man was developed on a shoestring budget. You play as Pepsi Man and you have to deliver Pepsi to people who need it. And by people, we mean a person or arguably one actor. And that person, an actor by the name of Mike Butters, who's always shown in full motion video drinking the Pepsi that you just delivered to him in the previous mission. So you always have to deliver a Pepsi and it's always to Mike Butters. But I guess he could arguably be a different person. No, he's dressed the same in every single shot. He's always in the same exact room. Did you use your imagination? You can imagine that it's somebody else. You're not supposed to use your imagination when they film it for you. Uh, In the actual gameplay, you have to run nonstop down a street while avoiding obstacles. This includes cars, pedestrians, trucks, garbage, fences, and other objects that would get in your way if you ran nonstop through a suburban neighborhood that was filthy. <laughs> it's kind of like the Paperboy's neighborhood. There's just a pile of crap everywhere. Yeah. Oh, they should have just made Pepsi Man throw Pepsi cans instead of the paper and Paperboy. Ooh, yeah. And the entire time that you're doing this, the Pepsi Man theme plays, and then once you beat the mission, you get a video of Mike Butters thanking you. And well, actually, he tells you to you to go drink a Pepsi. He 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 says like, "You're doing pretty good." <sighs> Have a Pepsi. The game is also heavily based on American suburbia in the 1990s Americana. For example, one stage you skate down the hills of San Francisco, which to me, I mean, San Francisco wasn't made in the 90s, but for some reason, San Francisco just feels 1990s to me whenever I see it. I think that's just because there was a lot of TV shows that were set in San Francisco in the 1990s. But yeah, in one in one mission, you're in San Francisco. There's another you're running through this tiny, like, suburban town. It's just everything feels very, like, stereotypical American. America, white picket fence, green grass, everything you'd kind of, when when you hear America, that's Pepsi Man. This actually does correlate with the original advertisements. Despite the fact that Pepsi Man is a Japanese exclusive character and a Japanese exclusive video game, the advertisements are all arguably set in America. There's one that's set at like, a, it looks kind of like New York. I think there was another that's set like on a, a, like a boardwalk. It's like, they're all set in American settings. While you're running down these streets, you collect Pepsi cans uh, because obviously why why wouldn't you what else are you going to collect your pepsi man uh you're also at one point even chased by a giant pepsi can give me mixed messages right like you want to collect pepsi but you want to avoid pepsi you want to avoid empty pepsis uh, but yeah it's a giant pepsi can that explodes <laughs> not uh, not it's a pepsi i think it explodes into like fire but <laughs> well maybe it's filled with coke maybe maybe it is one thing i will say about pepsi man the san francisco stage and the stage where you're being chased by the giant can of pepsi are very similar Just Sonic Adventure 2's level City Escape. In Sonic Adventure 2 City Escape, you play a Sonic and you're running down the streets of a place that looks a lot like San Francisco. And at one point you're chased by a truck. And when you're chased by the truck, you run toward the camera, similar to how Pepsi Man runs toward the camera when he's being chased by the giant can of Pepsi. In fact, people have done side-by-side comparisons. They're very similar, which makes me think that the people who made Sonic Adventure 2, big fans of Pepsi Man. Now in Pepsi Man, the game's 3D events and models were created 
created by Kotaro Uchikoshi, uh, who would go on to work on visual novels at Kid. Uh, fun fact, Pepsi Man was his very first job. To be honest, I think the visuals are pretty nice. Uh, I think Pepsi Man, I mean, he looks terrifying, but beyond that, the game is colorful and fun looking. Like, arguably, it looks like a fun game to play, and I think that does hold up today. If you if you want to revisit Pepsi Man, it's not a bad looking game. Pepsi Man would eventually be released in 1999, and again, in Japan only. There's something I want you to know about, Zach, that I don't know if you know about. Is it about Sonic and Pepsi Man? No, it's about Pepsi Man. The other Pepsi Man game. Is there another Pepsi Man game? Yeah, released in 1997. What? (laughs) Which was only released in Japan. It was called Pepsi Man, and it was a gambling game. (laughs) Wow, that kind of (laughs) counts. You play as a cartoon Pepsi Man? Who is Pepsi Man? Like, he's gray, and he's he's gray and red with the Pepsi logo on his logo, like, on his shirt. But he's a cartoon, and you gamble. So you play, like, roulette and other sort of, like, small, like, rock, paper, scissors type games. So, like, you play rock, paper, scissors with Pepsi Man. <laughs> as, as you should. And then uh, there is also a game that was called the Pepsi Challenge, which was the Mad Mix game. Uh, it was released in 1988 for the DOS. Apparently, it was called mad mix from topo soft and it was but it was released as the pepsi challenge in the uk though there's nothing that's anything related to pepsi in the game well i'm i'm sorry to lead everyone astray by not talking about the original pepsi man the gambling game no we just did oh no i know but we should have i should have mentioned it earlier in the no i think it's funnier that you didn't know about another pepsi man game called pepsi man I think it's funny, too. Now, we're going back to the PlayStation 1 game. Pepsi Man had mixed reviews and was considered a commercial failure. The game scored a 25 out of 40 from Famitsu, 90 out of 100 from GameFan, which I don't know how they got that, but a 2 out of 10 from Joypad, which was probably arguably an accurate review, and a B- from Gamers Republic, which was also probably stretching. Now, while exact sales data are hard to find, the the game's artist, Kotaro Yushikoshi, has reportedly stated that it did not sell well. The game was compared to Crash Bandicoot largely due to the similarity with running in a straight line and avoiding obstacles. That was the comparison. One writer for the 2002 magazine Complex stated it didn't suck, despite the large amount of advertisements, which saying it didn't suck... That's some high praise. It sure is. Now, Pepsi Man has been remembered as being an odd, worky game that has become a cult classic in the year since its release. In 2011, Destructoid said that the game was a mix between Paperboy... Oh, look at that. I alluded that it was Paperboy without even reading these notes. (laughs) And Muscle March. And that it was a gloriously twisted. The game has been featured in charity live streams uh, by Games on quick and with a run recently being done by the flying marlin in 2023 it was also featured in an episode of the angry video game nerd where mike butters reprised his role as a dude drinking pepsi in 2020 the soundtrack was in fact released for vinyl because this is the world that we live in folks as of today the game has not yet been released in the united states despite the fact the game is entirely in English. Yeah, like the game just has Japanese subtitles for everything. It is in English, which is very good. I think arguably localization was would not have been an issue with Pepsi Man. The game is very American. However, we did not know who Pepsi Man was. So I think that might have been the reason why it ultimately didn't come here. It didn't sell well in a place where Pepsi Man was known. Yeah, and that would have been a localization problem. We would have had to change Pepsi Man to be something else. Yeah. 
Just a man who really likes Pepsi. That will do it for Pepsi Man. It's an odd little game. Uh, and if anyone has any memories of playing Pepsi Man at any point in their life, certainly send us an email. I'd be curious. Now we're going to get into our retro rewind. I'll start us off. Seth had me play Shadow Warrior. Developed by 3D Realms back in 1997, Shadow Warrior is a first-person shooter built in the Build Engine, the same engine used for Duke Nukem 3D and Blood. Like both of those games, you play as a guy who likes to talk a lot. Um, specifically, you're playing as a bodyguard slash enforcer for a uh, company called Zilla, whose name is Lo Wang, who decides to challenge his employers. Uh, you are equipped with a samurai sword, uh, but you can also pick up weapons like an Uzi, riot gun, or a rocket launcher. The game is fun in the sense that the gameplay is very good. It's a build game. Uh, most build games just play really well, but it has aged incredibly poorly, and I don't mean by the gameplay or the graphics. I mean the fact that it is kind of racist and also very offensive. Like, it, it, there are jokes in the game that I don't feel comfortable hearing like today, for one thing, the character of Lo Wang, his name is uh, a pun, and a lot of the jokes are related to that pun. The game, not necessarily just in the sexual humor, there's also just almost sinophobic. Personally, I do think there are better build games, just in the sense that you can play a build game and not have racism in it. Now, uh, next week, Seth, you can play Fester's Quest for the NES. Fun. Uh, so Zach had me play Mixed Up Mother Goose. He didn't really specify what Mother Goose, just that I think he specified it on DOS. Well, it had to be mixed up. I didn't care what Mother Goose you played, but it yes. had to be mixed up. They're all mixed up. And there was actually a surprising number of them released on DOS. I ended up actually not playing the one from our childhood, which was the enhanced 1991 version, but I played the 1995 remake. Uh, the game was, in fact, as I mentioned already, that was released multiple times. The first was in 1980 which was originally built in the AGI system and looked a lot like the original King's Quest. Then it was remade in 1990 and it was remade using the SCY Zero system, so the graphics were more updated. Then in 1991, there was a CD version, which we owned, and a floppy disk version that added even better graphics going to VGA. They also added a map, digitized voices and songs, both for the CD and just the songs for the um, floppy disks. There was also like you started getting like speed controls and stuff like that, which was great. You can make your character zip along like a little rabbit. And finally, the 1995 version where they made they brought the graphics to SVGA and included a bonus audio CD and interestingly enough, different melodies and styles for of music for the rhymes. Dramatically different music styles. Um, so if you ever wanted to hear Jack and Jill in a hip hop style, this is the game to play. The gameplay of Mixed Up Mother Goose is a relatively easy uh, hunt and find game and is designed for children. There are nursery rhymes that are spread throughout the kingdom of Mother Goose, I guess, and there's a number of them, and you have to find their missing item, bring it back to them, watch them make a little video, and then they give you like a golden egg. Once you collect all of the golden eggs, you go back to Mother Goose and she allows you to wake up, else you're trapped in this nightmare. There's things like you have to find the fiddle for a cat and a fiddle, a dog for the 
boy who had the little boy and his dog. The candle for Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, Jack jumped over the candlestick. The pail for Jack and Jill, um, and so on and so forth. If you think of a nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty, um, Little Miss Muppet, Little Old Lady Lives in a Shoe, Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. If you think of those type of nursery rhymes, probably in this game. The game is definitely designed for children, and as a child that played it, I enjoyed it. I think, in fact, that the 92 and 95 version of the games probably hold up today, and especially for kids to learn classic nursery rhymes. So if you want to teach your child classic nursery rhymes and you want to do it through the media of video games, Mixed Up Mother Goose is probably a good option for you. I think it definitely holds up. I think the message is there. I think the story is there. I don't think it's that weird for children. Like, it's not like a creepy game or anything. It's just a nice nursery rhyme game. Also, Roberta Williams designed the game. I think I think she also voice acted in the original CD-ROM version. Like the version we had, I think she might be one of the oh, voices. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Now, uh, Zach, for next week, you can play Amazon Guardians of Eden for the MS-DOS. I will. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode. If you have any thoughts on Pepsi Man, be sure to send us an email, classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers, X, CG Brothers Pod, and Blue Sky, CG Brothers Pod. Be sure to like and subscribe all the places you can find podcasts out there, be it iHeartRadio or Podbean. And as always, give us five stars, thumbs up, do whatever you can do, like, subscribe, share, do those things. Seth, is there anything I'm forgetting? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right.